0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Numbers. The Old Testament book of Numbers and Numbers chapter number 11. Numbers and chapter number 11. We're continuing with the life and ministry of Moses and as we're going through we're putting special attention on the historical parts, the narrative parts. We're not spending a lot of time on the 600, or 613 laws. We're not talking about all the different traditions and whatnot. We're trying to put an emphasis on the historical matter. And so as we come, we find our way all the way to Numbers chapter 11. Now beforehand, there's been just a little bit of back and forth. There's been some giving of the law, the numbering of the people, But now we come to another important highlight within the narrative part of the life and ministry of Moses, and we find our way to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter number 11. Numbers chapter number 11, and if you wouldn't mind noticing with me starting at verse number 1. Numbers 11 and verse number 1, notice what the Bible says. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Teborah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said who shall give us flesh to eat we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely the cucumbers the melons the leeks the onions and the garlic But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as corridor seed, and the color thereof the color of bedlam. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, and every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them that thou shalt say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth a sucking child, Unto a land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence I should have flesh to give unto all this people? For they wept unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou wilt deal uh, thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of thy hand. And if I found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, and the officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, where they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that thou bear it not alone and say thou unto the people sanctify themselves against tomorrow and ye shall eat flesh for you have wept in the ears of the Lord saying who shall give us flesh to eat for it is well with us in Egypt therefore the Lord will give you flesh and ye shall eat Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out of your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you. Because ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people among whom I am are six hundred thousand footmen. Thou hast said, I will give them flesh, that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks of the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And Moses went out and told the words of the Lord and gathered seventy men of the elders of the people And set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud. And spake unto him. And took of the spirit which is upon him. And gave it to the seventy elders. And it came to pass when the spirit rested upon them. They prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men of the camp. The name of one was Ildad. The name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written. But went not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Ildad dad and me dad, do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? And Moses get him into the camp. He and the elders of Israel. And there went a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea... And let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side. Round about the camp, as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day. And they gathered the quails, and he gathered at least ten homers. And they spread them all around themselves about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, Ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of the place Kilbarahathava, because they buried the people that lusteth. And the people journeyed from Kilahatharotha unto Hizaroth, and abode at Hizaroth. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Numbers chapter number 11? The book of Numbers chapter 11, notice with me at verse number 1. Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 1, the people complained. The people complained. And this is the big deal all throughout the book of Numbers chapter 11. The people complained. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, I'm just asking that you would just give us grace, that you would give us mercy, that you would give us understanding as we go through this passage, that we could get a grasp of this sinning, of complaining, this horrible sin, and how it displeases you greatly, that we could get through and get across this sense of it, that on the other side of it, we would learn to be content with you, and trust you that you know what's best for us. Lord, help us because this is a temptation we all have to complain. Lord, give us grace even now to look up towards you. And again, just fill me with your spirit as it was spoken about in this passage. That I may preach the way that you ought. That you can get across your message in the way that you want it to get across. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we started off this series, I said the subtitle of this series is The Blessing of, of uh, Leadership. And the blessing is in quotations. And part of it comes from this passage here, where Moses complains to God and said, you know, God, why have you afflicted thy servant? Why have you put me in charge of this two and a half million complaining people? And over and over, as Moses is trying to lead... These people complain and murmur and fight. It's happened before. It's happened now. And the next chapter, guess what? It's going to happen again. And they just don't get it across. And Moses is just trying to point him up to the Lord. But it's a bunch of grumbling, unhappy people. And it's making so him leading these people is miserable. So much that he tells God, just kill me, get it over with. I don't want to lead these people anymore. It's too much to handle. Now, we'll get to that. You know what Moses was doing, by the way? He was complaining. He was complaining about the complainers. So you can see how this spreads here. And so we're going to see a lot about complaining. And the very first thing I want to show you here is the people complain. The very first thing, the people complain. Now... It starts off with an incident that is separate from all the rest of the chapter. It starts off, the people complain. They had developed the habit of complaining. Do you know that you develop the habit of complaining? There are some people that things are not going wrong, but because they have nothing else to talk about, they default to complaining. It just, they get in the habit. I don't know else to talk about, so let's talk about bad news. Let's talk about the bad things. And it becomes a lifestyle of complaining. It becomes a lifestyle, a habit, of automatically seeing the bad things and complaining about it. And this is what the people have done. They've developed this habit of complaining. Notice in verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. If we could have one statement to cover the entire chapter here, it is here. When the people complained... It displeased the Lord. You need to have that down. You almost need to put it in your mirror. You almost need to put it somewhere where you could see it often. Me too, by the way. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. It is that simple. When you complain... It displeases the Lord. There's no way you could please the Lord with complaining. Remember the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Complaining is the opposite of faith. Complaining is the lack of faith. So with the lack of faith it displeases God. What is faith by the way? It's looking unto Jesus. As long as I'm looking to him I can trust him. When I'm not looking at him. I'm going to complain. I'm going to see the things that are awful. I'm going to see things that I don't think is working out. But you know, God has things well in hand the whole time. When the people complain, it displeased the Lord. Notice this. This is probably even worse. This should put chills in your back of your spine. And the Lord heard it. You know, there's not a single complaint that you utter that God does not hear. He hears all of it. That's a scary thought. Now, I'm made of the same flesh as you are. I'm not saying, I'm looking at myself and saying, I'm a complainer. I know I'm a complainer. You don't believe me? Ask my wife or ask my kids. <laughs> all right. So I'm not posing. I'm saying, this is something we all have an issue with. It is so easy to complain. You say, Nah, uh Oh, yeah, well, turn on the news today Amen. and see if you don't find something to complain about. Amen. Somewhere, some way. We are complainers. Right? You want to see complaining? You have a teenager open up a refrigerator that you just got through shopping and say, I can't find anything to eat. They're complainers. You go to a restaurant. You know, one of the things of having so many people in my family is that no one wants the same thing at the same time. We all show up and there's someone who doesn't want to go wherever we're going to go. Hey, we're going to Taco Bell. What do you want? I don't want to talk about. All right, let's have a vote. Who do you want? Well, we're never going to get any consensus. So later on, all right, this is where we're going. You choose, all right? What I'm doing is I'm giving something minor. But you know, we find something to complain about all the time. There's nothing on TV. I got cable, and I got 500 channels, and there's nothing on, right? We find stuff to complain about. We, We almost look for it sometimes. We get in the habit of it. But when the people complained... It displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp now in verse number one we have no clue what they were complaining about they're going to complain later about food in just a bit But in verse 1, we don't know what they complained about. But God just, I'm done with it. Boom, fire of God came. Smote a whole bunch of them. And the idea was stop complaining. Uh, But they're going to complain about God killing everyone. So it's going to get to the place. They're in the habit of it. Notice what happens now. So they named the place where just people were burned up. God was displeased. And God wanted just to move on. So verse number four, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. Notice that word lusting. Now, lost people use that word lusting as lusting for the idea of sexual desires. But the word lusting carries the idea of desiring something that you don't currently have. Desiring something that is not God's will for you to have. May we say it a different way? It is coveting. That's the same word, coveting. They desired something that they didn't currently have. And the mixed multitude fell among them, and they fell a lusting. And the people of Israel wept again. Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat. Eaten Egypt freely. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics. But now our soul is dried away. Oh my soul. It's just. It's, it's so empty. It's so dried away. There's no life in my soul anymore. I just need something more. All we have is this manna. God's not supplying for me. God's not good. God's not right. How come God doesn't take care of me? When God has been taking care of them supernaturally, consistently, every day, He's been giving them. And He's been pouring them down. They did not learn the lesson. They over and over. Remember this is the same generation that watched God bring the plagues upon Egypt. This is the same people that watched God part the Red Sea. This is the same people that every day they watch God supernaturally provide. And none of them yet have got the sense. Maybe we should pray that God would give me something else. Do you know that the Bible says that God is a Good God and like a heavenly a good father, he gives good gifts to his children. God wants to give good gifts to his children, but no one had the sense to ask, our default is complaining. By the way, that's true of our life. Our default is complaining rather than to pray about it. And God wants to answer. But God has supplied about them so much. They start complaining about food. They start lusting over it. And they start looking for it. And the lusting led to weeping. Now they're crying over, it's not good to me. I just want something else. Oh, I know that I've got a year's supply of Chick-fil-A. And I can have it every day, but it's just not good enough. I'm so tired of it. People would complain, Right and they're making themselves miserable when God is taking care of them. They've been out of Egypt for over a year now, and so now they've romanticized, we had it better in Egypt, but you were slaves. No, no, we ate so good. We had so many things. We had spices, we had all kinds of, we had Walmart. They were complaining. And they were thinking about how good they had it when they were begging God to get them out of Egypt. Now God brought them out of Egypt. Now they're complaining that they want to go back. May I show you a secret here? May I show you two words that are going to be a key for understanding what is going on. Notice with me in verse number four. And the mixed multitude. The mixed multitude. Multitude. You'll see this phrase pop up all throughout Exodus a little bit, in the book of Numbers, the mixed multitude. What is this? All right. Remember in the last plague of Egypt that God said, I will pass over any house that had the blood applied. And what happened? Is that there were some people who had Egyptian friends. Who convinced, maybe some Egyptians feared the Lord. They said, are tired of the plagues. We heard that we're supposed to put the blood applied. So they applied the blood too. Well, anyone whose house had the blood applied were kicked out of Egypt. So what you have here is some non-Hebrew people that are mixed in. This mixed multitude. You have in this multitude some non-believers that are affecting the other people. They're affecting God's people. And they're causing them to doubt. They're causing them to complain. You understand who you're around really sets up your contentment or your discontentment. Complaining people multiply. It is very easy once other people start complaining to jump into it and start complaining. You get caught up with it. Yeah. This mixed multitude, when you go through your own personal Bible reading, I encourage you to see if you could remember to underline to mark every time it mentions the mixed multitude and see what happens every time the mixed multitude is mentioned here. We would be a lot more content if we were around contented people. We know that there's a lot of miserable people. You have to protect yourself. It doesn't mean that we go to hermits, but you have to watch who your friends are and who you allow to influence you because complaining people can easily cause you to start complaining. And this mixed multitude, it started off, imagine in your mind, an Egyptian. Egyptian. We had it better in Egypt. We've been following here. I don't even... Can't, God won't even let me go up to his tabernacle. I can't even... Pro, you, you expect God to... take? You know what? We had it better. And the complaining spread and spread and spread and spread until they're all complaining. And now they're crying like big babies. <laughs> oh, God's not taking care of me. I'm so hungry. When God is filling them every day, supernaturally. But they're not content with God's provision. God's not taking care of me. My soul, it's so dried away. And the people complained about it. And yet God provided. So it started with the people complaining. Then it moved to Moses complaining. Moses complaining. Now, we're sympathetic to Moses, None of us will volunteer to go deal with two and a half million complaining people. Leadership is fun until you realize the responsibility goes with it. Everyone wants to be in charge until they realize what they're in charge of. Our new president may find that out. It's harder than what you think. Because not everyone loves you and not everyone loves your decisions. And and so Moses... He's already patiently dealt with these people for over a year now. He's already watched as they complained and God was displeased and fire came down. And now another event has occurred. If you're keeping track, this is quite a few complainings that we've already come through. Remember, they complained, we don't have food. And so God started bringing manna. We don't have water. And they brought the water through the thing. We don't have this. They've already complained several times. And they haven't got the idea, maybe instead of complaining, I'm supposed to pray. By the way, all of us, instead of complaining, we ought to pray. We'd almost think that you would learn the lesson eventually. But yet we go and find their complaining. The preacher's too long. Um, but the people began to complain. And so Moses started to complain. Notice with me in verse 10. And Moses heard the people weep. Now again, this isn't just complaining. Now their tears in their eyes it's so horrible. Why does God have to feed us every day with manna? Why can't I have Burger King? And they're just so unhappy with what they have. And Moses heard them weep throughout their families. Every man in the tent of, door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses was also displeased. Now Moses knew that God wasn't happy. Because God's not happy. And he knows these people complaining. He's just catching up in the spirit. Verse number 11. And Moses said unto the Lord. Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? That thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? He starts to complain. And starts to have a fit. And God. I thought you liked me. You don't like me. And I could prove it. you gave me all these people. You know what a great privilege it was to be called of God to lead these people? But at the moment, because of his complaining spirit, he doesn't see that the blessing and the honor that it is that God has given to him. Instead, stupid people going to deal with all these people. They're miserable, making me miserable. Just stupid. God, just kill me. Just put someone else in charge. I don't want this job anymore. I'm not their daddy. I didn't give birth to them. Why do I have to care for them? He's yelling at God, crying, and saying, where am I going to get all this food? Two and a half million people. He begins to describe them that they're babies. They're like babies. By the way, much of the ministry can be described in these terms, pacifiers and diapers. I remember I was driving to become a pastor for the very first time. We stopped at a church and had a brand new pastor that was at a church. We were stopping for a service. And he looked at me and said, oh, new pastor? Yep, I'm so excited. I'm ready to go. I'm looking forward to these people. He says, I want you to remember something. What's that? I'm looking for advice. Pacifiers and diapers. What? He says, pacifiers. You put a pacifier in the mouth so they stop crying. They're there. It's all right. And then diapers because you got to clean up the mess when they make a mess. That's your job. Get used to it. From now on, pacifiers and diapers. Well, that's encouraging. I'm, I haven't even pastored yet and looking forward to that. By the way, it's exactly what Moses is saying. All I seem to do is put pacifiers in the mouth so they stop crying. Trying to just make them feel better about themselves. I'm not even helping them out spiritually. I'm just getting them to shut up. And then they make a mess. Now I've got to clean up their mess and change their diapers. Seems to be all that I do i got two and a half million complaining babies that I'm dealing with. How would you like to work at a nursery with two and a half million babies and take care of them? It's a nightmare for anyone. I mean, we barely get nursery workers as it is. Two and a half million complaining things all the time. Babies, by the way, don't want instruction. You know what babies want? They want to feel better. They want someone to continually just clean up the messes they make. So Moses admits in complaining form that he can't handle these people, and if he's ex- if he's expected to continue to take care of all these crybabies, just kill me now. And he does say that just God, just kill me. I'm just, I can't do it anymore. Just kill me. Verse fifteen. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee, out of thy hand. If I found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. And God, if you really like me, just kill me. Don't let me suffer in this. I'm done. Now, by the way, Moses' complaining was not pleasing to the Lord either. He's complaining about the complainers. But at least he's complaining to the right person. He's talking to God. He's at least trying to. But God answered him. Notice this is the next thing. God's answer for Moses. God's answer for Moses. Verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them. The word elders here is carrying the idea that they're spiritually mature. You go grab some mature people. Don't grab babies. You grab mature people. Give me seventy of them, and they're going to help you. They're going to assist you to div- divvy out the work, to take care of them, to, make, to organize the efforts, so that way people could be satisfied, so they could get the help that they need. They could be structured and organize their efforts so people could be taken care of. By the way, every organization must be structured. One person cannot deal with us, everyone by himself. One person is limited. He could take care of a few people, but he can't take care of a lot of people by himself. You have to organize the efforts. And the people that are enlisted must be faithful, must be trusted, and, and uh Work now. God says, Here, what I'm going to do in verse number uh, 17, and I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take the, of the Spirit. By the way, this is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the way, which is in you, I'm going to put in them that they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. So, God said, This is what I'm going to do for you, Moses. I'm going to put other people in charge. I'm going to put my spirit on them so I can help direct them. You're in charge, but those people are going to be directed with there to help assist you with what I've given you to do, Moses. You're still in charge, but they're going to help you. By the way, this is one of the reasons why discipleship is so important. Discipleship is helping people develop the habit of obedience to Christ. And once they develop the habit of obedience to Christ, now they can assist us to take care of other people so they can help develop the habit of obedience to Christ. I may be giving you this illustration before, but I was in a church once, uh, or I had a pastor talk with me. We were eating uh, lunch together. I was getting to know him. And he was bragging on the church. And he said they had 700 people. And they had a big soul winning program and whatnot. And he says, they're at the, I started to ask questions. Found out they had 700 people. But 600 of them were baby Christians. I said, what are you doing with discipleship? How are you doing to mature them? Well, we're not worrying about that right now. We're just trying to get as many people saved as possible. I said, that's going to blow up in your face. I said, I'm trying to help you out. That's going to hurt you. No, no, no. You're a new pastor. You don't know what you're talking about. I've got this. Well, it blew up. And it blew up horribly bad. They actually put signs on the preacher's lawn that said, we hate you. We hope you die. And that church went from 700 to 17 pretty quick. Why? Because there was no structure. There was no leadership there was no mature people to help try to bring babies into maturity without that structure you're begging for trouble and this is what god is working with moses in you can't do it by yourself let's bring some mature people in so they could help raise up other people train them move them on we're not going to be able to get the all two and a half million but you could take someone and bring them along That's all you're being asked. Take someone and bring them along. And then you bring another person and bring them along. And then you take another person and bring them along. And we have enough people doing that. We will help as many people as possible. But this is what's being ordered here. This idea of structuring to be able to handle it. To be able to organize it so that way we could bring them. So they don't stay babies forever. You have to have this structure in order to help a church move forward. I know so many churches where I'm friends with a pastor and whatnot, but they have no discipleship whatsoever. They may have soul winning, but what happens is they got a church full of baby Christians and they wonder why the church doesn't move forward. They wonder why they can't advance forward. They wonder why uh, their church is just stagnated and just, he's spending all of his time going to put out this fire, to put out this fire, to put out this fire, to put out, put a pacifier here, change his diaper here, whatever else. And the pastor says, I can't do it anymore. How can I? Because you can't deal with baby Christians all the time. You have to have some people that you bring to maturity and then have them help. To take someone and move them on. So you understand what's going on here? Moses, God gave Moses a very practical solution to work with them. Now there's 71 to deal with two and a half million. Well, that's better than just one. But they could take someone and move them aside, spread out the work, and help bring people along. So God had an answer for Moses, but then we see that God had an answer for the people. God's answer for the people. Notice with me in verse 18. And say unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye should eat flesh. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it is well with us in Egypt. Wherefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. And ye shall not eat one day. You shall not eat two days. You shall not eat five days. Neither ten days, nor twenty days, but a whole month. I'm going to give you meat until it's coming out of years, until you're complaining about that too. Moses said, what? what? How are we going to do this? Are we going to kill our oxen? Do we need to go fishing? Uh, What are we going to do? God said, I got this. I'm taking care of it. I'm going to bring it in. Verse number 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short, that thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass to thee or not? You know what complaining does? It makes us doubt God's power. We're complaining all the time. We're not seeing what God can do. With God, all things are possible. God says, you know what? I'm going to feed all those people. I'm going to give them flesh for a month. I'm going to prove it. Moses says, well, what do we have to do? Do we need to go fishing? Whatever. Moses... I'm taking care of this. And I'm, why are you doubting me now, Moses? I can get this done. Yes, sir. And so Moses went out and told the people what uh, happened. (coughs) And we see now here, Moses' response to God's answer. Moses' response to God's answer. All right, God, whatever you're going to do. So Moses goes out and he obeys and he gathers the 70 people. And when he does that, notice what happened in verse 25. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake to him and took of the spirit that was upon him, Moses, and gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. This carried the idea that they preached and did not cease. So God put his uh, presence, his spirit upon the 70 people and they started to preach to everyone else. By the way, you know what the cure of some of the spiritual things that we have like complaining is? Preaching. We need to be reminded to look up to Jesus. Look up to him. To make a decision to look up to him. We need those reminders. Preaching is so important. How did God solve the complaining problem? Preaching. Preaching. And so now 70 of them are preaching. And so they preached and prophesied the camp. But there happened to be two that kept preaching, and they were filled with the Spirit, and um, they continued to preach all throughout the camp. And so one of the young preacher boys, thinking he was doing a favor, Joshua, can you go tell Moses that these guys are still preaching, and that's not their job? Can you go tell them to knock it off, to behave, to stop themselves? So Joshua says, uh, Moses, you got these people that are still preaching, huh? You want to go tell them to stop? And notice Moses' answer, verse 29. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake. Meaning that you don't have to defend me. You don't have to fight. We're not trying to build a kingdom here. There's no competition. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. I don't have to be worried because there's another church starting. I should be glad and happy. We're not trying to uh be fisher uh keepers of the aquarium we're fishers of men there are plenty of lost people all around and if somebody else is trying to preach praise the lord what, man i know that some people try to build a kingdom and they get to the place where they said no nope, there's only one pastor here by the way there's only one pastor but i'm the only one who does all the work you listen to me you know what we should have we should try to get as many people teaching as possible And telling people about the Lord and reaching and getting things done. And then, guess what? We'll get young preacher boys. I don't have to be ashamed of young preacher boys. Train them to preach and get them to go on. Well, what if they start another church nearby? Well, so what? Let them go. Let's work with them. Try to go up there. We don't have to there. You know, I get in the Bible college realm, and yes, I graduated from a Bible college. And it's interesting, the presidents of the Bible college are not at war with each other, it's the students. That go to war with each other. Well my pastor does this. It's almost like you know. When you were kids, you're a kid saying what well, my daddy did. My daddy does this. And my daddy. You know you've probably heard of the um, three kids that were fighting. And say you know what. My dad is a doctor. And all he does is in one case he can get thousands of dollars. Well the other kid says well you know what. My dad is a lawyer. And all he has to do is. Give one thing and he gets thousands of dollars. And the preacher's kid said, oh yeah, my dad just preaches one message and it takes four men to carry in all the money. Anyways, good. (laughs) You know, and so Bible college kids will end up making a big fight between colleges and the college presidents. What's the big fight? You don't have, we're not at war with other people. You don't have to go to war with other churches just because they're not exactly like we are. Let's just do what God's given us to do. Trust that God is working with them and we're going to move forward. And We're just going to advance forward. We're not in competition. Moses saying we're not going to get in fights. Let them go. If God's using them, let God use them. Let's just move forward. So we see Moses' response to God's answer. And then we see this we can see the people's response to God's answer. So God brings in quails, verse 31, And there went a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall as a camp, as they were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, and round about the camp, and were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. All right, so there's some measurements here. All right, so they had the camp, and the quails were blown in that you could travel a day's journey. Now, a normal person could travel about 30 miles in one day. So could you imagine traveling and everywhere you went, there were quail. And then you went to the other side of the camp and where you traveled, no matter where you went, was a quail. God said, I'm going to feed him for a month. There's two and a half million people. Remember to feed two and a half million people every day. You need 150 boxcars full of food. Well, God put them so quails are everywhere, but then he stacked them high. It said two cubits. What's a cubit? A, A regular cubit is the distance between your elbow to your finger, which is usually about 18 inches. Some people have a smaller cubit. Some have longer, but the standard cubit would be 18 inches. So two cubits would be 36 inches. Think about that. Three feet high. The quails were stacked up. Miles on either side. And so the people started gathering. By the way, did the people do a single thing? Did they lay traps? No. God just blew a wind and blew a whole bunch of them near them. They didn't do anything to get to them. God did it himself. And so the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day, and they gather the quails. It took them two days and a night to go gather up all of these birds that are laying there that God has provided for them. And they spread them around the camp. And then while the flesh was still between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of God was kindled against the people. And God smote the people in the very great plague. What just happened here? Well, The good thing is, is the Bible gives further commentary on this incident in Psalm 78. So if you don't mind, turn me to Psalm 78, and let's see the commentary. What just happened here? That God provided the food, and then all of a sudden, God started killing people. What happened? That God got God in a killing mood because of this? Well, notice with me in Psalm 78, and in verse number 26, it begins a commentary On this incident that happened in Numbers 11. Notice with me in Psalm 78. Notice with me in verse 26. And he caused an east wind to blow into heaven. And by his power he brought in the south wind. And he rained flesh upon them as dust. And feathered fowls as the sand of the sea. Now that's clearly the same incident that we're covering. Right? He brought in the winds and he brought in those quail. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. Verse 29. And so they did eat and were filled. And he gave them their own desire. Didn't, isn't this what they wanted? They complained. And so God gave it to them. He gave them their own desire. But notice this. They were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouth. Here it says, while their people... People were eating about this. They were still not satisfied. And as they were eating this bird. That God had supernaturally gave to them. And while it's in their teeth. While they're chewing. Well you know God could have brought us something better. How dare they complain. Wouldn't you be angry too? It's in their mouth. And they complain more. They're just such in a habit of complaining that they can't even be thankful for God's supernatural provision. I mean, you almost say, what's wrong with these people? But watch tomorrow. And when you find yourself complaining, you go, oops. I mean, this is a convicting message when you start looking at your everyday life and you go, oh, remember, when the people complain, God was displeased. Here, it's in their mouth and they're chewing on it. And the wrath of God, came verse 31, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote them in the chosen men. Now when it's talking about fattest here, it's using poetical language. It's talking not about who's the biggest in size, all right? So some of you are good. What it's talking about is those here in poetical language that though are still wanting more, they're complaining and lusting, they're, they're what more. And so God killed the ones that were complaining. Well you know what? God brought us all this. But he didn't fry it. He didn't give us colonel's recipe. He gave me original recipe. Not crispy. They're complaining about what they have. How come they didn't give me any A1 sauce? Where's my barbecue sauce? Where's my mashed potatoes and gravy? And they're complaining while they're eating this. God's done, done. Verse 32, for this they sinned still, notice this, and believed not for his wondrous works. You know what complaining does? Is that even when God supplies, we still look at it with faithlessness. Remember, complaining is the opposite of faith they're complaining even when God supplied for them. They're still not trusting God. They're still not believing God. They're still not thankful for what God has done. Why can't God do more? Why do I have to have it this way? This is why God started to rain down fire again. It wasn't just because he was getting back of them. He supplied for them It was when they had it in their teeth, they were chewing and still had the audacity to complain what God gave to them. We have to be careful because God has given us quite a bit. And while we're enjoying the benefits of the Lord, how dare we complain when God's provided for me? Well, I need a new car. Why couldn't God give me a green car? Why do I have to have this one? Well, didn't you ask for this? Yeah, but, well, you understand we ask for things and God supplies. Sometimes we don't even ask for things. God hears us complain and says, here you go, shut up. That's my words, not God's words. And while we have it, we find something wrong with what we have. And God has provided so much for us. How dare we when God has been so good to me? You see, the sin of complaining is one of the most awful sins. And again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The sin where God killed the most people is complaining. Think about that. God hates complaining. Now again, God has not provided us where we don't have an outlet. You always can pray. God wants to hear everything that's going wrong. If you're not happy with your Colonel Sanders chicken, then say, God, you know what? Thank you for providing this for me. And then talk to him about it. Rather than just complaining. Talk to God. Be with him. You have the medium of prayer. Speak to him. By the way, it is hard in prayer to say, God, thank you for providing this colonel's chicken, but I wish you didn't. It's very hard to complain to God and have an unthankful spirit when you're talking to him face to face. It's easier to complain behind God's back. But remember, God heard every word. Our complaining would go down to a minimum If we told God about it, or if we had the spirit of prayer, where every word we said, we were thinking that God was hearing us, it would change quite a bit about what we said. And the people complained.